Well, welcome to a midweek Bible study as we go through the Bible in the order in which the books were written, at least as far as we know today with scholarship as it is. And we are in Acts chapter 18, and this is being recorded for July the 20, what, 27th, the last bit in July. We're zipping through this. And for those of you who have been with us since we started this series, <coughs> you're probably thinking, well, that guy has a different definition for zip than I do. But in, in my defense, I've been to congregations where they literally spent six to eight months to go through a single book. And I've heard of others, I wasn't there, but I've heard of others where it took them more than a year to go through the book of Acts. So, hey, we're speed demons here. Oh, speed Christians here. How about that? All right. In Acts chapter 18, uh, we've had issues with um, some Jewish people rejecting Paul and rejecting Christ and rejecting what he's trying to do. And that is Paul's life now. And that's going to be the cause of his death as well. So this continues. The story continues in Acts chapter 18. After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. There he met a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla because Claudius had ordered all the Jews to leave Rome. Let's talk about this just very briefly. That's not the subject of the chapter, but there have never been a people that have been forced to move on and leave all behind as often and as consistently as the Jews. There was a very nasty family fight, and you can see it here, that developed over the next few hundred years. At first, uh, you found Jews here attacking the Christians because they were messing everything up. See, the Jews had, had come to a rapprochement with, with Rome where Rome would leave them alone if the Jews conceded a certain amount to them, and that's the way governments always do. If you give us what we want, we'll give you a part of what you want. But they'd come to a form of peace, and as we've seen as we go through Scripture, Peace was the only thing Rome was interested in, and it wasn't the kind of peace you and I think about. It was the peace of the community, and if that means we've got to kill a few, uh, torture a few, flog a few, we'll do it anytime we want to. Doesn't matter if they're guilty, innocent, or whatever. They wanted to keep the peace. But the Jews were a recognized religion that had certain rights given to them because of recognition from Rome. When Christ came and the early Christians were almost entirely Jews, if you remember, that was just considered another part of the Jewish religion. But then there were issues with the Christians not behaving in ways that the Jews had learned to behave, to kind of stay under the radar. A lot of the Gentiles had gone above the radar and to, be, um, to keep the metaphor running, they brought the radar closer to the ground, the Romans did. They were picking up more and more behavior now that Rome was facing more and more enemies from outside and inside, and the emperors were considering themselves gods and therefore elevating all of that emperor worship that would explode into chaos in the book of Revelation. We find now the Jews trying to protect themselves and their families and their religion by saying, these Christians are not part of us. 
and they would they would testify against them as we saw in the last chapter they a uh, couple chapters they would drum up false uh, accusations against them but i understand all that you know it was wrong but i understand why they did it because of the tenuous nature of life and their status within the, the roman empire it wouldn't be too long before christians would return the favor and with gusto and many times over turn on the jews and blame the jews for everything and then christians got power uh, via constantine and that's a very simplistic way of looking at things but over the centuries they gained more and more of the secular power because they married their power as people of faith with the secular state always a bad idea whether it's left right it doesn't matter it's always a bad idea to hold hands with the state and make common cause with the state but they did so and they turned on the jews to the point where already by this time jews wholesale were being driven out of areas this would be the history of europe all the way up until very close to the present time where they, they may have been established for hundreds of years but then all of a sudden the king and queen of spain say you have to leave now and the king of england or the queen of england would say you have to leave now the germans would do the same and then of course the the nazis all the way up to the 1940s we uh we still see massive anti-semitism and so what we just saw here is just the first of a long historical tragedy that has never yet stopped as christians we need to lead the way in showing that we are brothers and sisters to all peoples all ethnicities that color that uh, what many people call race these are not barriers to us they can be realities and that we understand that um, culture of a scottish person in edinburgh is very different than a, a, uh, a citizen of let's say the myanmar uh, nation we that's yes and so there could be some awkwardness there and there could be some misunderstanding there but the people of myanmar are every bit as made in the image of god as the fellow from edinburgh scotland god loves them both god gifts them both god gives gifts to them both god loves them both and jesus died for them both and as we have found in the book of acts repeatedly being shown god is not a respecter of persons nor is he a respecter of particular cultures above another so keep it in mind sorry for the extra sermon there will be no charge for that this portion of this class and by the way speaking of that thank you all of you, all of you for subscribing for hitting the bell means so much and thank all of you who take time to support our safe harbor church we, we hit some lean times there and everybody is and for some of you to give us your widow's mites is humbling but we promise we will use them every penny with absolute wisdom and thank you moving on we have Aquilas and uh, aquila and priscilla now something else i want you to watch because something's going to happen here the listing of names is very very important in roman society jewish society all the societies of the time and you would list the first name that you would list is, is the most important and then you would go down in descending order very much like stars when they have their names on marquees 
they negotiate before they even make the movie of where their name's going to be on the poster, the marquee, the credits, how big, when does it show up? All of that's negotiated. Well, Aquila is a great man. Priscilla is a great woman, but Priscilla is the more active teacher. She's more, perhaps even better in theology for some reason, but it will not be long. In fact, very shortly, we will see these names flip and it will be then the rest of scripture, Priscilla and Aquila. Once again, showing that women were very active and very, very much respected as speakers, teachers, supporters, as equals in the New Testament. Moving on, Paul went to see them uh, because he was a tent maker as they were. He stayed and worked with them and every Sabbath he reasoned in a synagogue trying to persuade Jews and Greeks or Jews and Gentiles, we'd say. Paul's a tent maker? Yeah, you know, I've heard that all of my life and it's true, he was. And he, if he didn't have money from supporters, he would had a trade to fall back on. And I would just suggest that. I, I get emails every week from fired ministers, from ministers that are burning out and are leaving, and others who feel like they're going to have to leave before they're pushed. It's a very difficult job. It really, especially post-COVID, during COVID, um, the thing is, whenever things are rough, what happens is those in power attack the only moving part and they get rid of the minister. Or they put more burdens on the minister. Yet, every so often, not as often as they used to, but every so often, I, a young man or woman will come up to me and say, they want to do what I'm doing. They want to teach the Jesus story. The, they want to be able to preach or teach without fear. They want to write books. They want to travel and talk about the Lord, which is exactly what I want them to do. And they'll, they'll ask, what degrees should I get? And my response over the last 10 years has been very consistent. And that is no degree yet. No, get a trade, become a nurse. I'm aware there's a degree with that. Become uh, a, a, an electrician become a welder, become a plumber, have a solid trade because one of these days, somebody's going to look at you that controls your paycheck and says, teach this, not that. And if you don't have a way to feed your family, cover them with health care, you may right now think that you're going to be brave and slam your fist on the table and said, I will not, sir but you're going to be so broken, even trying not to break. Have a way to survive and teach what the Spirit is giving you, regardless of somebody writing a paycheck to you for the teaching. And so I'm in science right now, though, with my very advanced age of 65, there aren't a whole lot of people wanting to hire me away for science couple of years ago when I was fired by a church, they did, they lined up and, and I, I probably could do that now, but I also do a lot of training with law enforcement, a ton of training all over the nation and also in Canada. And it's getting to spread beyond those borders now, some of which they don't want me to talk about, but I'm not teaching anything secret. They just want the locations and such quite doing a ton of work training medical professionals all the way from uh, surgeons 
to nursing home administrators and everything in between. I have the ability, therefore, if somebody looks at me and says, teach this, not that, to say, I will teach, very much like Peter and John. Whether that seems right to you is fine. I cannot help but teach what the Spirit's telling me to teach. Paul had that ability. He was, in our, our parlance, a lawyer, and he was of quite high standing in that field. But a lawyer just can't be itinerant going from village to village saying, well, I didn't get lunch today, so what I can do is just go take a case and then get paid and go eat my lunch. But if you have a trade, Paul had a trade. He knew how to make tents, work with his hands, a very honorable and a good thing, work with his hands. So he was a tent maker. He stayed there, worked with them. Because he was a tent maker, he stayed there. That indicates he was not receiving any funds from anyone else at that time. And because he was a tent maker, he got to stay and preach. When Silas and Timothy came from Macedonia, Paul devoted himself exclusively to preaching, testifying to the Jews that Jesus was the Christ. That would seem to indicate, and we'll find out later that it's true, that Silas and Timothy brought funds from Macedonia that was able to feed Paul and now take him from tent making to pure preaching. But when the Jews opposed Paul and became abusive, he shook out his clothes in protest and said to them, your blood be on your own heads. I'm clear of my responsibility. From now on, I will go to the, to the Gentiles. Well, that sounds a bit rough, but let's talk about the gesture. What does it mean he shook out his clothes? Jesus told people, remember Jesus loves people more than anybody else ever has or ever will. And he said, if they won't receive you, shake the dust off your feet and walk on. Don't carry them around. Don't let them pollute your life and your mind. Don't let them destroy you. Move on. Shake that off of you. And you'll hear the expression, shake it off. Um, you will hear songs, shake it off. Well, that sort of shaking off the dust of your foot, uh, your, your feet also developed into this kind of shaking of the robes, just whoop, whoop, whoop. Um, you will see this in fighting, uh, in the martial arts that come to us from Asia, and they'll wear geese or some other form of uniform. You will often see them you know, do sharp tugs. Some of that is just to get their back in order after they've been thrown or thrown another. But another part of it is to get that pop as saying, that's done, we're starting over now. And sometimes uh, you will see boxers uh, do that as well, they, but they don't do it with clothes. They'll do it with their arms, they'll pump their arm out, just shake it like, like all right, that's gone, that's off now, we're starting over. And that's what Paul's doing. He's getting so tired of this. He's done with this, except he's not done with this. He thinks he's walking away. He thinks he's done, but this is going to be his life. They're coming after him and they will not stop. So once again, as I brought up, uh, I believe last week, if all hell breaks loose, it may be because you're doing the right thing. And just because God isn't giving you what you're praying for, doesn't mean that he's deserted you. It could very well be, no, you have a mission and it involves this pain and it involves all this aggravation. Some of Paul's theology was probably born, forged in his repeatedly having to defend himself and his faith in Christ. 
had he not been under constant attack, there's every reason to believe that he would not have developed as deep in theology, but able to write the master treatise of the book of Romans, for example. Well, he left the synagogue, went next door to the house of Titus um, Titius, is the way it's pronounced, Justice, a worshiper of God. Crispus, the synagogue ruler, and his entire household believed in the Lord, and many of the Corinthians who heard him were uh, believed and were baptized. So once again, let me caution you. The phrasing in scripture strikes the modern ear as ethnic slurs and anti-Semitism. But if you read when it says the Jews, it is merely speaking of a group, a portion of the Jews. Because Paul's a Jew, Crispus is a Jew, we keep finding righteous Jews. And then the next line, it'll say the Jews came after him. Well, it doesn't mean all of them. And if uh, we were writing it today, we would probably phrase it differently. But this is the way their language worked. And it is our job to read it as they understood it and not to uh, judge it from 2000 years distance. One night, the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision. Do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent. For I am with you and no one is going to attack and harm you because I have many people in this city. <laughs> I mean, I, I love a lot about what just happened here. One of my favorites is God going, I got people. I know people. My wife and I experienced this when we got thrown away a couple years back and you, you caught us. Uh, we were overwhelmed. I had literally got dizzy trying to respond, even with just a thank you. I think we missed probably scores and scores of you that gave and we said nothing because it was just, and they were coming in in their fives and their tens and their, their hundreds and their five hundreds. And all of a sudden, our decision to not sign a paper when we were fired that said everything's hunky-dory and we, we think the elders are great, we couldn't sign that paper which meant we had no guarantee of any money, health coverage, immediately. You guys jumped in. We found God had many people in the city that we'd never heard of, we didn't know. And I would get emails thanking me for what I've done, and I'd look at Camion and go, I don't know this person. I don't remember this. And I hope that's not insulting to you. I look upon this as amazingly wonderful. God saying, you do what you do. I got people in the city. Now notice this was not a lifetime agreement. He wasn't saying, Paul, I'll never let you get hurt. It was here. I need you to make a little bit more noise here, but I got you here because I have people here. And you have Titius Justice, you've got Crispus. So you've got some upper ups that Paul already knows about. God says, speak, go back, do your work. So Paul stayed for a year and a half teaching them the word of God. Well done, Paul. While Gallio was proconsul of Achaia, the Jews made a united attack on Paul and brought him into court. See, still gonna go. This man, they charged, is persuading the people to worship God in ways contrary to the law. 
Once again, remember, Jews are a recognized and therefore, I'm not going to say protected religion, but they had rights. The Jews now are saying these Christians are not part of the Jews. We say that they have left us now and they are a whole different group and we don't want to be blamed for what they're doing. They're the problem. Well, just as Paul was about to speak, Gallio said to the Jews, if you Jews were making a complaint about some misdemeanor or serious crime, it would be reasonable for me to listen to you. But since it involves questions about words and names and your own law, settle the matter yourselves. I will not be a judge of such things. So he had them ejected from the court. Then they all turned on Sosthenes, the synagogue ruler, and beat him in front of the court. But Gallio showed no concern whatsoever. Well, Gallio was being correct, if not exactly you know, diplomatic and um, far-reaching in his thoughts. He was just saying, listen, I'm not going to settle your religious arguments. This is a religious argument. You're arguing about what a word means and about what your law means, and that's not up for the court. So he kicked him out. Well, Sosthenes evidently was the one who told him, this will be a brilliant idea. This will fix it all. So they beat him in front of the, his own people beat him in front of the court. Remember this, the next time anybody says we're living in the worst time ever, we're not. Even with the slaughters of the innocent that we have witnessed in recent months, the mass shootings, uh, even with corrupt government, uh, even with the failure of supply, we, um, and by the way, you don't, Corrupt government doesn't mean a particular administration. It, it, I dare you to find one that wasn't, at many levels, corrupt. Because it, you know, power does that to people. Go watch Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. It is, uh, it is easy for us to think, oh, this is the worst time. But the slaughters of the innocent would not even rate a headline back then because it was an accepted part of this is the way the world is. And the same with beating up a church leader, his own people beating it up. <clears throat> it's rather like whenever I hear Americans see, well, you know, the, it's just shameful how our Congress acts and such. And I, and I agree, I really do, but I also remind them that it used to be much, much worse. There were duels the senator from South Carolina beat a northern senator with his cane to the point where the man died of his injuries. And that was life in the 1800s. So we don't poo-poo it, we don't shove it away and say, oh, it's nothing to it. But what we don't do is we also don't lock down and say things are terrible, I can't move. God told Paul, speak. So we speak. Well, here comes people we know with a slight change. Paul stayed on in Corinth for some time. Then he left the brothers and sailed for Syria, <clears throat> accompanied by his new friends, Priscilla and Aquila, whose name is mentioned first. That is very significant. And nobody hearing this 
in the first few centuries, or if they were fortunate enough to be able to read it, none of them would have missed it at all. Before he sailed, he had his hair cut off at Shinkria because of a vow he had taken. Um, <clears throat> there are various vows. Don't know where this came from. Maybe Tennessee. There are various vows that Jews took and Paul was a Jew and he was still doing this, Nazarite vows and the like. <clears throat> Whatever this vow was, he'd shaved his head and he was not going to, uh, he, will, he would not again cut his hair until the vow is completed, the period of the time. During the, <clears throat> the never ending lockdowns that were supposed to be just a few weeks and turned into a couple of years and in some places still re-arise um, out of the blue. There was, you know, I, I knew a couple of people who said they would not cut their hair until they could worship with the assembly again, men. They didn't realize how long that was going to be. We had some long hair on a couple of my friends. Uh, that's fine, you know, make, make your vows and this, he was making his. My whole point there really was, and I think it got lost in the noise, it's okay to still do these things which are extra, um, the requirements of scripture. You can go ahead and you know, make a vow for Lent, even though you don't have to, and the word Lent's not found in scripture, go ahead, it, it's a, it can be very, very helpful. Fasting, doing periods of vows and service, these things are useful, but God did not bind them on us. They're for us to use when they're necessary for us. They arrived at Ephesus where Paul left Priscilla and Aquila, see the name, uh, he went himself into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. When they asked them to spend more time with them, he declined. But as he left, he promised, I'll come back if it's God's will. Then he set sail from Ephesus and he landed at Caesarea. He went up and greeted the church and then went down to Antioch. After spending some time in Antioch, Paul set out from there and traveled from place to place throughout the region of Galicia and Phrygia, strengthening all the disciples. So he's listening to God and he's on the move. I, this part of Paul I really do get because although I really hope to stay in this position and doing this work until I die, um, I can't drive through a town without wondering what it's like to live there. What are the experiences? Where, where do they shop? Where do they eat? How, what, what is their community like? I literally cannot. Even if it's a place that I would consider a horrible place that I wouldn't want to be there, I cannot help but think, what would it be like to move here? What would it be like to sit in your course? It's easy on a Caribbean beach, but there are a lot of other places. There, I've told people before in my family that when we die, you'd better nail our feet to the coffin or we're going to start walking. Well, now they're cremating us, so that kind of limits our options. But traveling is what we do. And if we can get the funds to do so, I'll get back on the road and visit our house churches from um, sea to shining sea. But we've got to get our finances up and up because everything, as you know, everything is twice as expensive as it used to be not that long ago. So pray about that. And, may, and maybe this is the Holy Spirit telling me no, like he told Paul no, which is okay. We'll do it this way. Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, oh, another guy, another name 
kind of rings a bell, doesn't it? Of Alexandria came to Ephesus. He was a learned man with a thorough knowledge of the scriptures. He'd been instructed in the way of the Lord and he spoke with great fervor and he taught about Jesus accurately, though he knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they invited him to their home and explained to him the way of the Lord more adequately. When Apollos wanted to go to Achaia, the brothers encouraged him and he wrote to the disciples there to welcome him. Well, and they wrote to the disciples there to welcome him. On arriving, he was a great help to those who by grace had believed, for he vigorously refuted the Jews in public debate, proving from the scriptures that Jesus was the Christ. We'd love to have some of those sermons, would we not? Oh my goodness. We'd love to have the sermon that Jesus, well, maybe Bible class that he had with the two men on the road to Emmaus when he opened up the scriptures and revealed everything they had said about him. We'd love to have this. We'd love to have what Paul said, but we don't. And that's actually quite a handicap because trying to speak to our wonderful Jewish neighbors and friends today, we would love to have those arguments. Um, but again, God didn't leave that. It must be that God trusts his own mercy and grace more than we do. And that God knows the scope of his love more than we do. So that God is not panicked as we are. Just a thought. We've come up to 30 minutes, and so we're going to end our midweek Bible class. Thank you for visiting with us. If you have any questions, Patrick at OurSafeHarbor.com. If you have any prayer needs, prayer at OurSafeHarbor.com. We're here for you. We love you. Thank you for being God's friends in the city.